0: Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless
1: you.
2: For our scripture reading today, we have a responsive reading. So if you would turn with me in the back of the hymnal in front of you, in the book that looks like this, if you'd turn with me to number 789, there's a responsive reading called Growing in Christ, number 789. I'll give you a minute to find that. Number 789, and I'll read the the light print and ask you to join me on the bold print, and it goes, goes over to the next page too. So number 789, Growing in Christ, is everyone there? Okay. Since you have been brought back to true life with Christ, you must look for the things that are in heaven where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. Let your thoughts be on heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, because you have died, and now the life you have is hidden with Christ in God. But when Christ is revealed, and he is in your life, you too will be revealed in all your glory with him, That is why you must kill everything in you that belongs only to earthly life, fornication, impurity, guilty passions, evil desires, and especially greed, which is the same as worshiping a false idol, God. All that makes God angry And it is the way in which you used to live when you were surrounded by people doing the same thing. But now you of all people must give all these things up, getting angry, being bad tempered, spiteful, abusive language, and dirty talk, and never tell each other lies. You have stripped off your old behavior with your old self, and you have put on a new self, which will progress toward true knowledge, the more it is renewed in the image of its creator. And in that image, there is no room for distinction between Greek and Jew, between the circumcised and the uncircumcised, or between barbarian and Scythian, slave and free man. There is only Christ. He is in everything. Amen.
3: Good morning. I've uh, spent some time thinking about having folks give testimonies. And one person asked me, uh, why do you do this? And one of the reasons was I wanted to have community. If we get to know each other better and their lives, we share sharing. It gives us an opportunity to to maybe resonate with what they've gone through and help us. And in the insert uh, that you may have read, I want to emphasize a a few, few points in there. It says, all have not had the same experience in the religious life, but those of diverse exercises come together with simplicity and with humbleness of mind and talk their experiences. And then later it says, a living experience is made up of daily traits, conflicts, trials, uh, daily trials, conflicts, and temptations, strong efforts, and victory, and great peace and joy gained through Jesus. A simple relation of such experiences gives light, strength, and knowledge that will aid others in their advancement in the divine life. I appreciated those uh, comments or that statement then in Testimonies, Volume 2. But uh, before we go on any further, I'd like to bow our heads and have a prayer for. Her. Our Father in heaven, <clears throat> this morning as we come together, several of us to uh, to give testimonies, we ask that you be with each one and uh, give them uh, relaxation and uh, may your holy Spirit dwell in this sanctuary today and may we leave here today, knowing it's been good that we stepped aside on your Sabbath be with us now we pray in Jesus name Um, I probably asked about a dozen or invited maybe a dozen different people uh, if they would be willing to come up and give a testimony it takes some courage and Part of the reason I did that is I am responsible for this sermon period and I needed a bailout, okay? (laughs) I needed help because I didn't want to be up here all by myself and so on. It's been about eight years since I've done anything like that and so uh, I needed a break, longer break. And so, of the, uh, about a third of the folks that I ask, uh, oh, they couldn't do that sort of thing. And I told them, well, that's part of the reason I want to do it. I don't know you that well. I'd like to get to know you better." and so that was it. and another third uh, said, well, they'd like to do it, but they're busy. you know they have responsibilities they're not going to be here, they're working and so on and then and then uh, uh, another third they didn't they didn't deny it. I guess maybe they ran out of excuses, I don't know. <laughs> but, but I appreciated it. The first, the, first, uh, the first person I'm gonna have come forward is the person I've known the longest of anybody in my life, except my older sisters, and that's my wife. And uh, uh, so I'm gonna invite her to come forward and uh, share a little testimony that will really be a little bit of mine too. Thank you.
4: Good morning. I have to confess, I was in the third that said I can't do it. (laughs) But here I am. My second problem was, how do I take 80 years of life and condense it down into a talk that people want to pay attention to? And so I prayed that God would give me the right words to say this morning. I was the last of six girls born in our family my family was really spread out. My oldest sister was 20 years older than I and she was already married and had a child before I was born. We lived on a small farm in Edenville, Michigan and my parents were very hard working people and because my dad didn't have any boys us girls had to chip in and my mother too and help out with all the chores around the farm, milking, hauling hay, pulling weeds, just about anything. Feeding the animals, we did about anything that we could do to help out. My parents were not church-going people. They didn't take us to church, but they did teach us the best they knew how to live a good life or to live, do the right things and they were good examples. I don't believe I ever heard my parents argue with each other, and at the time I didn't think a lot of that, but now, as I'm looking back, that was quite an accomplishment. I don't know that they always agreed, and sometimes you might get the feeling they didn't agree, but they didn't argue about it, not in front of us anyway. I started school in a country school there in Edenville when I was four years old, and um, went there through eighth grade, and we had some really good, dedicated teachers. They would have several students to teach several grades, and they always made sure they were strict. We had to we had to behave ourselves. They didn't tolerate be, um, misconduct, but we learned. <clears throat> and then when we got in high school, we went. We're bused to Midland. Um, Midland High School to finish our education through eighth gra- or through 12th grade. And it was really a shock <laughs> to go from a country school to a city school. Uh, a lot of things were different and it was a little bit hard, but we made it through. <laughs> um, after graduation from high school, I was 17, and, um, and a few months later, I was married, <laughs> almost 18. Both Robert and I worked at Dow Chemical for about a year. He worked shift work, and so we didn't see each other very much during that time. And we were kind of not happy with the way things were going in our life, and so we decided that he should go back to school. He had had some college, and we decided he should go back to school and get his degree, and I would work. And so that's what we did. We went to East Lansing, he went to Michigan State, and while while we were there, his sister um, lived in East, East Lansing, and the very first Sabbath we were in East Lansing, his sister invited us to come to Sabbath school and church with them, and so we did, and she invited us out for dinner and for the afternoon and evening, and it was such a treat because we lived in a very small apartment in the married housing and getting out in the country and taking walks and having a yummy meal was a real treat. And that's what she did every Sabbath that we were in Lansing, East Lansing for two and a half or three years. Every Sabbath she invited us out to her house for dinner. Unless once in a while we would take courage and invite them to our house or we would go home for a visit with our family back home. while we were there they had evangelistic meetings at the lansing uh, church and so we attended those meetings and we were baptized into the seventh-day adventist church then after graduation um we we started our journey of traveling i guess because we first went to benton harbor robert worked for whirlpool and then he came back to michigan state for a a master's degree and then we went to Florida and we went to come back to Anders University where he taught for a year while one of the professors was getting a higher degree then we came back to hope Michigan again where um, we all this time we rented different homes we didn't ever we didn't own our own home during that time but we had started our family after we graduated from Uh, after he graduated from college the first time we had started our family so now we had two sons and when the when our sons were born i determined that i wanted to make sure that they knew god and and i tried my best to teach them robert and i both Um, and then two girl two daughters were added when we came back back to this area Um, we wanted a home in the country. We wanted them to be able to have room to move around, um, and so we started searching for a place, but it didn't seem like anybody wanted to sell any land. We wanted to build our own home, and it didn't seem like anyone wanted to sell any land, so we made it a matter of our family worship to pray for some, for, to be able to find some land that we could buy. And one afternoon we were out driving around and we'd heard that this lady might be willing to sell some land. So Robert went up and knocked on the door and asked her if she had any interest in selling any of her land. And she told us later that she almost fell over because she had been praying that someone would come to her house to buy some land, her land, because she could not afford anymore to pay the taxes and upkeep on, on it. And so she got a life lease on her property and we got 79 acres, which was lots of room for our kids to play and have fun. When our first son was about school age, he was so active that I couldn't picture how he was gonna possibly sit in a chair and, and go to school. And one of Robert's aunts encouraged me, she was a teacher and she encouraged me that I should stay, keep him home for a little bit longer until he was a little older. And so I took her advice and luckily the church school teacher at the Edenville church school at that time was a very helpful and she ordered some books for me to teach him how to read and uh, I think she ordered a math book that he could learn some math and she would every so often I would bring him to the school and she would check to see how he was progressing, if we were, if we were doing things right, because <laughs> this was my first experience. And in turn, I would do some sewing for her. And so th- that worked out so well that that's what we did for the next three children, that we all we homeschooled until they were eight years old. When he was eight, then he would, went into second grade and started his education, and even then it was a challenge for him to want to sit in a chair all day when i came time for academy i knew that there were going to be a lot of bills to put four children through academy and so i thought i should go back to school and get my education and so i went to nursing school and um that was quite a challenge but during that time as i was studying about the human body i was so impressed that how any that how there was definitely a creator and how anybody could believe there was not one was beyond me. Um, During that time, after um, graduation, I got a job working midnights. I thought it would be good working midnights because then I could be home with my children during the day. I didn't factor in sleeping (laughs) during that time. But um, it was, kind of, it was a struggle, and unfortunately, it was during that time that I become very discouraged with the way things were going and discouraged with myself, kind of giving up on myself a little bit. And one of my friends gave me a book by Morris Venden that helped me to realize that God is there working with all people and that, that there's still hope, and that encouraged me greatly. So another thing, another... It, uh, experience in my life that was very encouraging to me was we were at camp meeting, we decided to stay the week this t- this year and I don't know why I chose it, but there was a meeting going on in the girls, don- girls worship room in the basement of the girls dorm, just a little room, a small meeting, and when I went there, the, the pastor was a really young pastor but he told such interesting stories that I was just enthralled with listening and, and anxious to go back. I'd ask I'd tell my friends about it and other people must have told their friends because before camp meeting was over the room was packed, hardly could fit everybody in. But I went up to him one after one meeting and I said, I don't understand how you get so much out of the verses in the Bible. Can you can you tell me how you do that? And so he took the time after the meeting to meet with my friend and I. And he went through a Bible study with us on the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And he went verse by verse, writing down things, word by word, writing down meanings. And by the time he got through, he pointed out that that was the story of salvation. And it was so, it was such a a blessing to us that we both were in tears. And so we, Immediately went from that meeting to tell our family that was there at camp meeting tell us tell them about his Bible study and show we had a paper where he had written down things and we kind of went through it with them not like he did but the best we could and before long they were, they had tears in their eyes too. <laughs> um, another time that was very impressive to me is. I was sitting in church, in the Edenville church, and the pastor's wife at that time was giving her personal testimony. And she told how God had wakened her at five o'clock in the morning so that she could have her own personal Bible study. And I thought, I think I was a little jealous. I thought, he don't wake me at five o'clock in the morning. How, why is that? And, it, and I thought, well, I've never asked him. So so that night, I went home and I prayed that God would wake me at 5 in the morning. And exactly 5 o'clock sharp, I woke up. And studying in the morning was such a peaceful thing. No interruptions. You could just focus completely on what you were doing. And it was a peaceful time. And I I know that... um, my sister told me one time, she, she said, I don't think your Bible studies are working. <laughs> and I, and that was kind of a discouragement to me because here I had this peaceful time in the morning. I felt like I sometimes I would feel like I'd even go to a different place. And then when I got up to face, face the day and all the challenges and irritations and everything that would come my way, I'd find myself responding in the same same way to them. I thought, she's right, and and it dawned on me that I can't go early in the morning, as peaceful as it was and as much a blessing as it was, I can't go there in the morning and fill up for the whole day. I have to have, like a pastor that I just recently heard talked about how the trolley car had stopped in the middle of San Francisco, and when he looked up, it had lost its connection to its source of power. And that's what I decided you need during during the day. Not just the Bible study, but you need to keep that total connection to God throughout the day. And I have to say that throughout my life, theres I've had so many blessings. God has been good. And there's been some really hard times, too. But my friend uh my good friend told me that her saying is it will be okay in the end and if it's not the if it's not okay then it's not the end and i i remember that saying and i also remember in john the ch- sixth chapter where jesus disciples or several people were leaving jesus and his disciples our Jesus asked the disciples, are you going to leave too? And Peter answered, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that's the way I feel. There's That is the only way in this world to go to Jesus. <laughs> Thank you.
3: Thank you. Uh, next person, uh, you might have thought that we had known each other a long time because we learned. I've only known him for a couple of years, but uh, in those couple of years, we learned that we graduated together. Of course, it was at Midland High School. Oh, I never graduated. He did, but, but it was the same year, okay? <laughs> and and uh, anyway, uh, so that was kind of interesting, and he brought in the, the, the book and showed me my picture, actually. And so but we didn't know any, anybody in... Uh, didn't know each other at that time. But we've gotten to know each other in the last couple of years through the Bible study and become good friends and and good community. So Dick Pendle is going to come forward now and uh, share a little testimony from him.
1: Good morning and happy Sabbath. So how is it possible that I'm now attending a Sabbath Day at school. Never never thought it would have been possible. Never even thought about it, to be honest with you. A little background of my family my dad was getting a master's degree from Syracuse, and my mother was trying to earn some kind of a certificate so she could teach uh, and be a librarian in a school at Syracuse. When they met, and uh, soon after, uh, got married, and uh, then uh, soon after that, along comes my sister, and then a few years after that, along comes me, and a few years after that, along comes WW Two, World War Two. Uh, my dad did not have to serve, but he was had uh, gone through ROTC, and he's he told they told him said you know you can get out we're gonna word once the war's declared you can't get out and he said that's okay I'm gonna stay with it, so he spent the next three and a half years in North Africa and Italy and. And uh, the, the rest of us moved in with uh, my uh, grandparents who lived in Verona, New York. You will know a lot about Verona because Rachel Oakes is from Verona. She was the gal who somehow convinced pastors that they were worshiping on the wrong day when they were holding Sunday services and they eventually changed down over to Saturday, and somehow uh, our church got going right shortly after that. And, uh, but she was from Verona, New York. I don't remember the family. I remember my grandma telling me that Verona had like, it was either 50 or 150 people living in it, so it was a very small community. And the reason why they were there is because my grandpa had had graduated from McGill University up in uh, Montreal as a doctor, and they, sent a letter to him and asked him if, if he would like to uh, uh, become a doctor for their town, and he did, so they, they hired him and, and that's where they, they had their entire life. Um, actually, I was growing in Oneida, <laughs> but uh, uh, New York, which is just five miles away from Verona. Um, when my dad returned in November, it was too late for him to get a teaching job because that's what he had been doing. So he went to his hometown, which was Saginaw, Michigan. From there, he got hired in with Dow Chemical and uh, spent a few years with them. And uh, the rest of the time, uh, he ended up buying a printing company. And uh, both my dad and my mom and my brother and I uh, spent our careers working for uh, Pendle Printing at that time. And... uh, in fact, my son Jeff and his wife Ann still do work for the company, which is um, Quad Graphics out of Mont- or out of uh, Wisconsin somewhere, and they're uh, account managers. They live in Bay City, so they work out of their out of their home. Um, as far as religion goes, uh, we end up being Repo- uh, uh, Presbyterians, and uh, so and I joined that church at age 13. So it's been like about. 70 years, they probably still had me on their rolls, I don't know. but uh, and, and that's where we went to church for all those years. Uh, except for a six-year stint in Saginaw, working for another company, uh, I spent all my years in Midland. So you can say probably I'm, my hometown really is Midland, but my sister and I Verona, in New York. That's our hometown. My wife Karen and I met at Michigan State. We have four children. Uh Amy, Jeff, Dan, and Greg. The last two were were twins. I got to attend that birth. But we did not know was that there were we did not know there was two children there. We thought just one. So that was a real surprise. And uh apparently they were like this. And so when the doctor thought me was heartbeat with a murmur or something. So anyways. Um so it gets down to what happened. Well, when my best friend died it's, um, and then 12 days later, their only son, who was my son's best friend, also died unexpectedly from, a, from a, uh, some kind of a blood clot that broke loose and that can be instant death. Um, my friend's wife did not drive. She could barely get around, so a bunch of us had to kind of watch over a little bit. And uh, knowing that she was a great uh, radio listener, I asked her, what what station do you listen to? And she, she said, well, Strong Tower Radio, 90.7 Harrison. So I tuned into the, uh, the one that she liked to listen to. It started at 12 o'clock, as I recall. And uh, it's a nice program, it's still on, and I've listened to it before. But one day I caught it a little bit early, and I caught the uh, end of a sermon, the likes of which I've never heard before. And so the next day I turned in a little bit earlier to get the whole sermon because they said they would be on tomorrow too. So, and for the next two and a half years, I listened to those sermons from Monday through Friday. And uh, it was the best things that I've ever heard. I kept thinking of uh, how does this church, how does this radio station come up with these great pastors who are speaking such honest, wonderful, truthful, loving words that that I've never heard before? Didn't dawn on me (laughs) that they were a Seventh-day Adventist radio station. I thought they were a lot like Family Life Radio, which is just a generic Christian radio station. I'm beginning to think that every one of these pastors is a Seventh day Adventist. <laughs> and of course, they were. So, anyways, I've kind of figured that out. Um, but I, I also remember that I needed to draw closer to Jesus. And uh, that was important. I also realized, I know these are probably not necessarily the greatest sermons in the world, but to me, they were. And I needed that desperately. And so that's, that's what happened. Anyways, after um, a few years, uh, yeah, two and a half years I, I listened to those radio stations and, and listened to that. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe I better attend one of the churches. <laughs> so we spent about half our time up in Petoskey in the warm months and half the time down here in the cold months. And I do not remember which church I attended first. I attend both of them now but I do remember that I was wondering, do I know anybody? Do I know any Seventh-day Adventists? I knew Dennis Sears. Dennis Sears was a long-term employee for us, and but I did not know that Dennis was a Seventh-day Adventist. But anyways, uh, uh, and they were retired, I think, and long gone by the time uh, that, that, that they were no longer associated with this church. I think they're up in Cadillac now somewhere. Anyways, um, so I... When I no I knew I knew nobody in Petoskey, and when I came to this church, I thought I want, I, I've lived here a long time. I probably know somebody. I didn't recognize the one of you, and you didn't recognize me, except for Artist Tate. So Artist got a hold of me out and there, and she said, "Oh, she says you finally made it here." I said, "Wow, I did not recognize her, but she recognized me." So a year later, I happened to mention that. This is probably just probably a few months before she died. But I reminded her of that, and she says, "Oh, I mistook you for somebody else." <laughs> so I knew nobody at these churches. Uh, anyways, uh, just looking over my notes to see what I, I've underlined some things, I, you know, that I really wanted to say. Uh, one thing I was growing—I was growing despite myself, Wow. some of some of myself always. Tries to fight, you know. I try to. It's. It's. it's, I think it's uh, pride or something that gets in my way. Anyways, uh, I wanted to tell you about that. And I wanted to tell you also that uh, uh, when I first sat down over there in that corner to attend the Bible Bible school, and uh, one one thing I thought that I said, boy, you better get, get get there early for Bible school. I didn't go to. I didn't start the church. I started Bible schools because that's what we kind of learned in, uh, in in my Presbyterian church, you know. Get attached to a Bible school, a short, a short, a small group of people. And I thought, boy, they're gonna be jammed. Well, the Bible studies here are not jammed, and they're not jammed up north either. That still surprises me a little bit. But somebody told me, he says, you need to belong even in the other room. I wasn't too sure about that. But uh, the next week, uh, once again, they tell me, you know, you need to, you belong in that other room. So I got up and went out there, and I did. I found a door. And I opened the door, and I came out six faces staring at me. And I'm thinking, oh, I think I interrupted a, a, a meeting. And I said, they told me I belonged in here. And boy, I got the greatest welcome by, uh, by so much of them. I'm sure Richard was one of them. And I know what David was one. And uh, Robert was one. John was one. Uh, and Jerry was one and they gave me the greatest welcome and they just had me come in and I've been here ever since I wanted to uh, close with uh, the introductory to Second Peter Peter restates his apostolic teaching of the great transforming truths of the Christian faith and urges God's people to live them out it is a good plan for us all Whatever your situation, whatever your current pressures or anxieties or doubts, whatever any skeptic is telling you, take time to consider the promises of God. Write them out. Memorize them. Ponder them in your heart. Claim them. Pray them back to the Lord. Remember what a magnificent God we serve, and then act on what you know, because time is fleeting. A new heaven and earth are just around the corner. Thank you, folks.
3: Uh, Dick and I have had a number of
1: opportunities,
3: of course, in the Sabbath School to share our understanding with each other. The next uh, person I have come up, I've probably known her the shortest period of the folks that we have today, and that's Barbara Franklin. And uh, I remember, first time I remember seeing her was at our meetings a number of years ago when her and her husband Dennis came into the Revelation meetings with Pastor Thompson. And so uh, she was reluctant, but she agreed to come forward. So I appreciate that, Barb.
5: Good morning again. Um, well, I took kind of a different uh, approach on, on my testimony. It was a more recent... Um, it, you know, I, I just looked back at my life and I thought, I've had so many blessings. I, Don't know even where to begin. I don't know which ones to talk about. Um, But I'll give you a little bit of background, um, seeing as the first two did. (laughs) Um, I was born into a family, well, when I was born, I had three older brothers and an older sister. And then after me came two younger brothers and two younger sisters. So I ended up having five brothers and three sisters. It was a good Catholic family. (laughs) and so um, that is how I was brought up was in the Catholic Church and uh, when I left home I continued with the Catholic Church but I always felt there was something missing there and I was never sure what it was but I continued and I had two children of my own I have two daughters And I brought them up Catholic um, because I just, I mean, I was told from early on that's what you have to do. And, like, my dad was a convert. My dad was raised Methodist. Then he met my mom, who was Catholic. And in order for them to get married in the Catholic church, he had to convert. But they always told me that he converted to the right religion, so they were, you know, we were all blessed because dad converted to the right religion and we were told that is the right religion and you don't go religion shopping anywhere. You don't look into any other churches because why would you when you have the best? You have the right religion. So, you know, I I had this tunnel vision as I went through life thinking that I had to be there. But... Um, But then, you know, I I told you before how Denny convinced me to come to the the Revelation series. And I, I really wasn't for it because of the upbringing that I had that, you know, you just, you don't go to other churches. But he was so insistent. And so I went to the Revelation series and I wound up saying, wow, I have missed out on a lot in my life. And this is where it's at. So that's how I ended up here. And I've just been so happy ever since. But um, I just, uh, okay, now I'm going to go into what I really had planned on talking about. <laughs> and that is I thought about how blessed I'd been and uh, to be here in this church and here with this family. I mean, I have such a family here. I, I'm so grateful to know all of you. And those that I don't know very well, I'd like to get, know, get to know better because everyone has been so kind to me. Um, it's incredible how smoothly God orchestrates things. Coming here with Denny and meeting all of you and feeling so welcomed by all of you was simply amazing to me. I had never been to a church like this before. Um, He and I grew close to many of you and we quickly felt like part of the family. And he loved the potlucks and he loved having dessert first. And he started that as a tradition. There are some of you still that follow in his footsteps and say, this is for Denny, we do dessert first. Then, then Denny got sick though, and he died. I was devastated, but because of all of your support, I knew I could go on. My life seemed so empty without him, and I didn't feel I had much purpose. The only times I felt really fulfilled and happy was when I enjoyed my faith with personal prayer and attending church. I love the fellowship here. So I decided to become more active. Denny and I had become deacon and deaconess about two years before he got sick. Um, And that was was another blessing that this church did. I knew at the time that he would not be strong enough to, to actually help very much in the church. And I think that the nominating committee knew the same thing But they did that in his honor. They said, let's have Denny be a deacon at the same time that we have Barb become a deaconess. And that meant the world to Denny. He just thought that was great. Um, So I I never said thank you to that nominating committee. I don't know who those people were, but it was truly a blessing, another blessing that God gave us. So, so it was in name only that he was a deacon, but he was darn proud of the fact that he was a deacon at the Seventh Adventist Day Church. Um, so I then the next thing was I became the head deaconess, which is a very busy job. I found not until I was the head deaconess, but it's very very busy. Um. Then help was needed in counting the money each week, so I volunteered for that. Um, Next thing I knew, I was named assistant treasurer. Then help was needed in typing and copying the bulletin, so I again offered my services. Um, I had to drop out of the typing part. It was just too hard for me. It it drove me stir-crazy, so I said, "I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But the rest of it, really created kind of a full-time job for me, which was great because I wasn't sitting at home feeling sorry for myself, which is a very easy thing to do when you lose your husband. Um, There are still times that I feel a bit overwhelmed wearing all of these different hats, but then I think of how lonely I I would be if I didn't have so many to-do lists for here. God knew what he was doing, that's for sure. Before Denny even died, he was mapping out the rest of my life, or at least the immediate rest of my life. Who knows what is yet to come for me? I will just follow his lead. Amen. He is so good. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Barb. Aren't these... uh... Interesting and challenging and uh, enlightening for us. To hear these testimonies. Uh, the last uh, person I had that willingly accepted is a lady I don't know real well, but I've known with her and her husband through the years. And uh, at times, because they've moved around, I've done some moving around too. But Claudette, if she would come forward, she is uh, familiar, you're familiar, most of you folks are familiar with her, I'm sure. Uh, I remember the first time, I think, I remember Claudette is at the Edenville church, and uh, she's there different times, and uh, one time, she she did more than one time, she got up and sang, and uh, she sang a song that still resonates with me, it was a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and she did such a Registered with me, you know, thirty, forty years ago. <laughs> so thank you, Claudette, for coming forward.
0: Okay. Brother Bosch told you from the very beginning that we all have different experiences. One of my experiences is I don't like going up there, <laughs> so I'm going to stay here. And. Uh, make myself a little bit more comfortable. I would like to say, Brother Marsh, thank you so much for the opportunity that you're giving us to share our religious experiences with each other and also giving us an opportunity to know each other better. Um, Almost thinking about it, I, in a couple of months, the first time that I would have come to this church would be 50 years ago. And I think as I look around, how many of you that um, I know And how many of you I just see from time to time. So hopefully this will open the door for us to get to know each other better. I have my little notepad because I'm getting grown in age. And so I need to kind of look down from time to time. I'm going to say it again. Happy Sabbath. Good. I just wanted to know if you're really happy. Sounds like you are. God has been so good to us. All of us. And to be able to stand up and share his goodness like this is a blessed opportunity, and I thank him for that. As Brother Marsh told you, my first name is Claudette, but I'm Claudette Laverne. And I'm married to Sylvester Daniel. That's the guy that you see me hanging with a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We have three adult children, two boys and a daughter. We have five granddaughters, one grandson, and three granddogs. (laughs) Um, my grandmother is really probably the catalyst to all of us uh, in our family as far as for my generation Um, not that my grandfather wasn't very active in the church he certainly was but after high school I left home and I had the opportunity to go to Chicago to um, further my music interests and theater. And um, my grandmother would write me from time to time. And in every letter, as if she'd never done it in the letter before, she would say, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. And I used that like it was a daily formula, because I had come from a smaller city, not really a little bitty town, but a smaller city than Chicago, can you imagine? In Chicago, I found out there's no night. There are lights all the time. There are streets that look like they have no end to them. And so that verse just kind of helps me because I was afraid. I mean, I had, at home, I'd never ridden a bus. In Chicago, I took public transportation to school, to work, and everywhere. So just keeping that verse was really very comforting to me. Well, I come from a rather active and large Seventh-day Adventist family, as well as church family. My uncles, aunts, cousins, my parents, and my grandparents were Seventh-day Adventists. My grandmother pretty much kept the four of us cousins because our parents worked, some were teachers and some worked in nearby cities, and so pretty much we were with her a lot. And one thing that we were taught was that we were not just Seventh-day Adventists during the Sabbath hours. We were Seventh-day Adventists 24-7 because it affect how we thought, what we said, how we said it, how we dressed, what we ate, who we associated with, um, what we did with them, what we watched and what we heard, and what we listened to. And I think that that was a good uh, foundation for us as young people. We went to public schools. Um, I'm going to say from our church, there probably were about 12 or 13 Seventh-day Adventists. And for some reason, we thought we were the cat's meow. Maybe there were about 1,500 kids in this school, I'd say. But we had no problems in not going to Friday night activities, not being there on Sabbath, because the church that we had come from was such an active part of our lives. And let us know that we were important to them. I'm just thinking of um, so many of the activities that we participated in. Uh, well, I'm just going to name a few of them. And then I want to share share some other fun things with you. In our church, um, I would say this there's a lot of history in our church. Church was built in 1900. Um, one of the first pastors that I remember was Pastor N.B. Smith and um In his graduating class from Oakwood at the commencement service, Ellen White was the speaker. And he was a dynamite fella a little bitty guy, but I mean, he was awesome. C.D. Brooks, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him. He's from my home church. As a matter of fact... His sister was one of my Bible teachers, and his other sister was one that would often report to my mom when I had misbehaved in school. See, I grew up in church. Um, I grew up in a time when the village raised you, that church visit village, and whenever they saw you doing something, they had no problems in, in trying to correct you. Well, sometimes I didn't like that. So when I didn't, they would let my mother know. That was how I learned that I should much better listen to them. I mean, I loved to go to church, but then after I had been misbehaving, I didn't want to go home because I knew I had something waiting for me. <laughs> Some of the activities that we participated in in church was um, MV. Now I think they call it Adventist Youth. You ever heard of that? Okay. Okay. Um, We had Bible Bible quiz. We had Bible skits. Uh, These are all the activities I can think that the youth went in. Um, There were youth Sabbath school. There was a choir. There were quartets all over the place. Guys would be singing in one corner. I mean, it was just like a battle of the music all the time. And the girls would be singing. My sister and I sang in a group. And I don't know why our parents let us do this, but we called ourselves the Supremes. That was back (laughs) And we would sing at youth federations. We dressed alike, and we tried to act like the people, but maybe our parents didn't know what was going on out there. But we were really um, headliners. People wanted us to come and sing. Of course, we sang sacred music. But, the I mean, we got wigs and everything, so we could look just like those people. (laughs) Then we, um, youth federations, we visited the sick. Um, There was in-gathering, and during in-gathering time, we would... um, have I would think maybe we went in groups of three or fours that would sing at every house when you went along. Do we still do in-gathering now, door-to-door? Door? I know Artif Tate did, but do we still do it, David? A little bit? Okay. That was a big thing for us. Then we had a basketball team, and we played from church to church. We had cheerleaders, and my mother had... um. <laughs> what you would call like a roving concession stand she made the hot dogs and the hamburgers and the chili and the coleslaw and I mean and we would uh, rent gyms you know to have these games but that was a hot time I mean that's what you look forward. if our church was playing another church and you just thought you were it I know what the spirit of prophecy says about competition and stuff but I don't think it went that way. I think it was more or less uh, something just for the social, for us to get together and socialize, and we got to know each other in other churches. And also, when you got ready to look to date, you kind of had an idea because you knew people in other churches other than just yours. So that was fun for us. And the Saturday night socials, if my sister knew I was telling her, she'd probably do something to me not good. But uh, on Saturday nights, we would often have um, socials. They didn't buy games then. Back then, it was homemade games or whatever our grandparents and parents thought of. But the one game I can think of um, is music of chairs. You know what that is. Everybody. Well, my sister would play for that. And she could only play, like, with three fingers. But, boy, she would steady be rocking it. And then um, we had one called... um, I don't know the name of it, but it went like this. That old man ain't got no wife, can't get one to save his life. Choose your partner, Lou or James. <laughs> and then as a girl, you would just be standing, oh, look, please let him, especially if you liked him, please let him choose me. Well, often he didn't think of me like that. <laughs> then one, once a year, we had something like, I guess you would call it like, um, well, our church was East Market Street, SDA Church. So you would choose um, Miss East Market Street. So it was a real pageant. You had to do things just like you would in any other competition that we've seen, like in the Miss America or whatever. And uh, you'd have an escort. It was really, really nice. So Oh, you wore gowns and stuff. So we looked forward to that. And um, not only in the church, but in our community. This was in the 60s. So there was a lot of stuff going on in the community. That was um, the civil rights area was during that time. It was not unusual to have KKK activities at or near the church, especially if Dr. King was coming to town. I can remember one time he was coming, and Advent Church was very involved in it. Not so many meetings at our church, but at larger churches. um, the church that I went to, I would say, maybe our membership by this time was maybe around twelve 1500, maybe by then. And um so anyway, that was going on. Lots of arrests. We had what we called um, like uh, marches, but nonviolent for real nonviolent marches. You know, we would just sing and ride on buses and go downtown to the square and just kind of protest. Um, how that was handled, they would come with paddy wagons, open the wagons and let the dogs run out on us. Um, The firemen would come and they had the water hose and they would turn the water on you to try to push you all the way across the street. But nevertheless, talking about the goodness of God, we still are. And out of that, we learned what it's like to love those that are unlovable. And then I wanted to tell you one of the things that I have found to be such a joy to me, and that is my hobbies. So my hobbies are scrapbooking, card making, singing, and teaching alternative food preparations. So when I had these ideas, because my grandmother had always said, whatsoever your hands find to do, do it with all your might and watch how you spend your time. Don't spend it foolishly. So All of those things that I name are quite time consuming. So I began to pray about it. I said, Lord, I love scrapbooking. You know I do. What can I do with it? I got the idea. We had taken a trip abroad, and I came back with some pictures, and I wanted to share them. But I didn't like the idea of everybody touching my pictures. And so I wanted to know. And just out of nowhere, my boss said to me one day, have you ever thought about scrapbooking? And I thought, scrapbooking? No, I don't think so. She said, well, my sister has a store. And I think it was called Scrapbooking Heaven, Heaven, Scrapbooking Heaven here in Midland. So, long story short, I got in, involved in that. And so I was studying in the spirit of prophecy. What, what would Ellen White say about scrapbooking? And come to find out, there's a story in there about when she left Australia. She said one of the um, most uh, rememberable and most appreciated gifts she got was from the women, and it was a scrapbook. And one of the favorite pictures in that book was. Um, for her was the picture of her dog Teague's house. So I called to the um, general conference in uh, Maryland, and at the time my daughter was working there, so I said, who would I talk to to find out if I could get a picture of Ellen White's dog Teague's house? Okay, so (laughs) they said, well you want to call to the white estate, and sure enough I called and the gentleman was fine, and so he sent me a picture of that So out of that, I started to work uh, in putting together um, my scrapbooking books. Um, And some of the things that I have done with that is that I have used it to um, work with, because I worked for years as a counselor for victims of domestic violence and sexual assaults, so I put together programs that would help the women who had gone through these traumas, um, how they could use them as uh, coping tools and mechanisms. I also used them as uh, parenting skills to teach the, the moms especially how to discipline their children because a lot of times the kids were with games, toys, or TV. Um, I was also invited to put together a program for an experimental program at... Um, one of the local um I don't want to say convalescent, but um senior homes for Vic for people who were uh, or who were thought to have early signs of dementia. that was kind of funny. Uh, I really enjoyed doing that. The other one that I used it for um, was like I said, for people who were coming into the center that I worked. Um, how do women who have been sexually assaulted, how do they deal with that? What do they do? Because you, you don't want to think of that ever again. So in working with that, I was able to um, give them mechanisms. Of course, I had to call on the Lord to help me with this, to give them mechanisms so that they could cope with that. I've done camp meeting workshops. I can remember one my daughter and I did together. We must have had around 200 people, women mainly, in, the, in that um, scrapbooking workshop, and I've done women retreats, I've done family reunions with it, and um, Pathfinder Honors, I've taught for that. And my mother was visually impaired, so I thought, you know what, I think I'll scrapbook with Mom, because she wasn't always blind. She uh, lost her vision probably, I would say, about 30 years before she passed, and so, we would have so much fun. I would tell her, well, she'd say, what kind of green if I told her green? And she'd say, okay, well, where are you going to put it? I said, no, you tell me. You want it at the top of the page, bottom, or whatever. And so we, I was able to give her enough details, and someday I'll be able to share with you one of the books because she helped me do a scrapbook for Sylvester when he, was, um, when he came back from Vietnam. And my cards, I really got interested in that because there was a member of this church, Eula Thomas, And if you had a birthday, she would get you a card. And when my daughter went off to the academy, she would always send her a card. And Kelly would always say, Mom, I got a card from Sister Thomas today, and it meant so much. And one time, she didn't get the card. And she said, Mom, I didn't get my card. And when I checked with Sister Thomas, we don't know what happened, but it wasn't because she didn't send it. So I thought, I know how much a card can mean, even to just a teenager. So I really have it uh, advanced during that. I teach those classes in that as well. And singing. I love to sing almost as much as I like to talk. But one of my most (laughs) wonderful experiences experiences has been to sing with the uh, Billy Graham Choir uh, in Chicago. I never sang in a choir that big, and I just loved every moment of it. Uh, Let's see. And... Food preparation. What happened was that we homeschooled the children up to a certain uh, grade. And so one of the field trips was to go to Wildwood, one of our health institutions um, in Georgia. And so when we got ready to um, come back, we went to a uh, president at that time was Pastor um, Atwood. And we said, if missionaries ever come in and they need a place to stay in Michigan, could you consider our home, please? And he says sure. And he kind of looked like, yeah, okay. But sure enough, about four or five months after that, he called and said, we've got a couple coming back in from Belize. And they would love to come to Michigan. So we had the privilege of brother and sister Williams coming and living in our home for about six months. Can you imagine the blessings that we got in learning how to do natural remedies and learning how to prepare food the proper way and what, what to eat? And it was a blessing for our children. So I have just had a wonderful experience in growing in Adventism. And one last thing that I want to mention is that I didn't say it first, but I love essential oils. And so I've done quite a bit of studying into that. Came about that because my husband had an accident at work and they wanted to do surgery on him that was going to take him out of work for a long, long time. And so I called to UG Pines and I said, this has happened to my husband. Is there any natural way of of him being repaired without surgery or whatever. And so the lady said, yeah, but not here. And so she gave me a number of a place in Puerto Rico that I could call. And sure enough, I was able to get help for Sylvester through that. And that's what really got me into um, essential oils. And I didn't say, but my, ad, my family became Adventists in the, in the 1940s uh, under Elder Cleveland. In those days, they were doing 10 efforts, and at first, when we heard about it, my grandmother said they weren't really that interested, but it just, there was a lot of commotion going on on the corner, and uh, the neighbor had invited them to come to the meeting. They decided to go. One of the reasons they weren't too interested is because my grandfather was first-day pastor, so he wasn't trying to lose his job, but long story short, my grandmother became Adventist, and yeah, so here we are now, you know, a family. So in closing, I'm going to invite you to just um, sing this song with me. I know you know it.
3: Boy, this has been a blessing. <laughs> Hearing all the folks and their stories and so on. And uh, we are a community here, whether we like it or not, you might say. Uh, it's wonderful to have so many people involved in our Work. I think of, uh, I just wrote down, you know, we had Don for the children's story. He, he had volunteered one other time for me. Tony up here every week, or most of many weeks, is our elder and doing jobs. Not only that, so uh, many participants, you know, who, who produces a bulletin each, each week for us? There's, that's not a simple task necessarily. And uh, our song leaders up here every week and having a choir. Our deacons faithfully coming and doing the, the uh, different tasks that they have to do each week. Our teachers in the classes each week. The AV people back there in the back that you don't see them, but they're back there recording things. Our musicians over here playing. Our, uh, And then all the gifts that people give, maybe they're not up front, but they're making it, help making it all possible. We are blessed. I hope today that we have a sense of community and how we can grow with each other and share with each other. Thank you.
0: You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you're in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you're a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.